0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and
1: more.
2: As you know, yesterday we experienced a tragic event during a time that was meant for celebration.
0: That's the Kansas City Police Chief, Stacey Graves, speaking after a shooting at the Chiefs' Super Bowl victory parade. It's a grim way to finish what was a fantastic season for the Kansas City team. So what happened and how did the Chiefs respond? It's also a huge week for rugby league with the men's and women's Indigenous versus Maori all-star matches taking place tonight. Plus, hear what Red Bull boss Christian Horner has to say after the team announced an investigation into his conduct. I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily. The Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade this week ended in tragedy with a shooting outside Union Station. Kevin Draper is a reporter with The New York Times. And Kevin, can you tell us what happened at the parade in Kansas City?
2: So right as the rally was ending, there was a parade where they marched through the streets. It ended at the stage in front of Union Station where a number of Chiefs players gave speeches and talked about their victory into the crowd. Right about a minute or two after that it ended, there were shots fired somewhere about 300 feet, maybe 500 feet away from the stage. And it's still a lot of information unknown, uh, but the Kansas City Police are saying... This appeared to be
0: a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire. So what do we know so far about the victims?
2: There seems to be 23 victims. Uh, One woman has died from her injuries. We are still learning about her, but know that she is beloved by many. To her friends and family, we are with you. The other 22 people went to various area hospitals with gunshot wounds. Over half of them are children. And the vast majority of them are either already discharged from the hospitals or in some sort of stable condition. None of the children, for instance, are um, expected to die from their injuries. There are a couple of adults still in serious or critical condition. Um, You know, we don't know sort of exactly what that means because of for privacy reasons.
0: How about those in custody? Do we know anything about the number of shooters there were, the number of people that were involved in this?
2: We don't have a lot of answers to questions like those. Police say they have two juveniles in custody, so two people somewhere under the age of 18, though we do not exactly know uh, uh, how old. It's expected that there's going to be charges soon, uh, but at least as of this taping, they have not yet charged anybody. Uh, with a crime. And if and when they do, we'll have limited information on who these people are and uh, various things because they're juveniles. But it isn't clear yet if there are more people, if police are looking for more people, if the two they have are the only two shooters or if there are additional shooters. This incident is still a very active investigation. Uh, I mean, I think this is the case in most sort of mass shootings in the US or in most chaotic events where there's reports that there wasn't just one site of shooting, but there were other sites of shootings right around the same time. And police have said they're looking into all of it. And it isn't clear if there were multiple sites, if people were just running and panicked and heard something, did they see a gun, but not a shot. So there's still a lot of things like that that are being worked out that we don't really have clear information about.
0: How have the Kansas City Chiefs responded to this? This is obviously an event to celebrate their achievements at the Super
2: Bowl. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, the initially right after it happened, uh, they were focused on getting out of there. Their security and police were sort of getting them back onto uh, buses so that they could, they could get back to where uh, they needed to. And the reactions have sort of run the gamut um, and sort of run the gamut on reactions that you you see to things like this. Some of them have called for sort of political or policy solutions to try to reduce gun violence. Some of them have just said they're thinking about the fans. Uh, some players have tried to reach out to get in contact, especially with the children um, who were shot and and went to the hospital to Support them, give them gifts, sort of help them out one way or another. Um, You have children that are injured. You have children that are traumatized.
0: It is a very swift turn to make it a celebratory parade. How disappointing a way is this to end what was a great thing in Kansas City?
2: It's, I mean, it's incredibly disappointing. Most of the local schools gave kids the day off so that they could go down there you know, it's it's hard to sort of describe how important uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are to the area. I'm from California. In California, we don't care too much about professional sports. We can go hike, we can go running, we can go out, you know, who cares about spending your Sunday watching a ball game? Here in Kansas, here in the Midwest where the weather uh, is a little bit worse where sort of some of these cities and these people are overlooked Uh, the team means more kids on Fridays wear red to school. Uh, I've been at uh, birthday parties where parents are grumbling that somebody scheduled it on Sunday during the time that the (laughs) Chiefs are playing. People that don't care about sports at all watch because that's just what everyone in the city does. It's just the thing you do whether you are a a football fan or not. And of course, the Chiefs have won three Super Bowls in in the last few years. Mahomes flings that Super Bowl. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! And uh, so the team is just incredibly, incredibly popular. And so then, you know, this American sport that only really we play in this country and that we love so much has a big ending. And then this other American thing that uh, mostly is a scourge in our country of just sort of uh, frequent, frequent gun violence, um, you know, ends, ends the party.
0: Kevin Draper, thanks so much for walking us through what happened at the parade.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Nick Campton writes, All things Rugby League. And Campo, this is always a hugely anticipated event ahead of the NRL season. It's the Indigenous versus Maori All Stars matches. I want to start with the women's matchup. The Indigenous All Stars will be looking to atone for their last minute loss in last year's matchup.
1: Tomato, short ball, offload on the tackle.
0: Jessica Skinner, the first female head coach of an All-Stars team, get them over the line here.
1: I think the key for the women's Indigenous All-Stars is to play to their strengths and play away from the Māori All-Stars' strengths, you know? like You look at that Indigenous women's team, you see really scintillating players like Tamika Upton, Kira Dibb, Jamie Chapman. I think that's the way that they can sort of run the Maori off the path. The Southwell into Upton, hang on, look out! They've, they use their speed, their incisiveness, their creativity. The Māori probably have a stronger forward pack. They certainly have a larger forward pack and a more powerful one. So the only way to beat a pack like that is to run them ragged. And in the Townsville heat with attacking weapons like Upton and Chapman, that seems to me to be the best way forward for the Women's Indigenous All-Stars to, to take back the trophy.
0: So, having a look at the men's fixture, and there are some enormous names in here, particularly in that backline: Latrell Mitchell, Josh Adokar, Hamaso Tabuwai Fido. How do these teams line up?
1: It's it's kind of a similar, a, a little bit of a similar dynamic. You know, you look at that Indigenous Men's All Stars backline, and that is just as fast as fast gets. You know, you've got uh, Hamiso Tabuwai Fido, you've got Alofiana Carrera quickest players in all of rugby league. And then you've got the likes of Nico Hines and Latrell Mitchell creating chances for them. Like it's going to be pretty high octane stuff.
2: He's the danger man, Hines. Oh, look out, Maori! It's come
1: back to Hines. Oh, beautiful. Well, the the men's Maori team probably isn't as strong in in the back line. They've got some real toughness in that forward pack. You know, they've got Joseph Tarpanay leading, um, leading from the front at lock forward. And Smith packing down at Hooker. I'm expecting a huge game from him. I think a lot of people remember the Māori All-Stars game uh, probably back in 2020 when he started at Hooker, scored two tries, one man of the match. 12 short. Smith! had a real breakout performance um, on the representative stage. I'm expecting another performance like that for him from him. So yeah it's it, it comes down to that classic rugby league conundrum. there's a good forward pack beat a good back line you know I guess guess we're all going to find out.
0: And it's exciting because it's the first sort of proper hit out ahead of the NRL season, which is really not too far away. But this match in particular, both of these matches in particular, are about more than just rugby league. And I want to talk to you about the significance. What is the importance of the Indigenous and Maori All-Stars matches?
1: While the game itself is a great occasion and a great night and there's some great football played and the cultural challenges are always such a highlight it's actually only one very small part of the experience you know the 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 all-stars game isn't just about the match on the night it's about the community work during the week it's about uh, communities getting represented by some of the game's biggest stars on a, on a really big stage that everybody's watching it's a it's about a celebration of the roles those communities have played in uh in in, in rugby league over the years it's been a wonderful celebration of rugby league and of the cultural
2: component that sport brings to communities
1: While the game is important and entertaining, it is only one really small part of this whole experience. And I think it's really heartwarming to see the players uh, buy into it so much. You know, a lot of the time with representative teams, even with Origin or or, uh, test sides, you can see players pull out, you know, because they're dealing with injuries or they want to get right for their clubs and all that sort of thing. But the All-Stars game is one where all the players always show up you know some of them will, will will forego the chance to play in a trial and get ready for the season because it's so important to them it's so important to represent their community and represent their culture and sort of give back to 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 something that's given them so much Time represented their people with great pride and distinction so while the game is 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 you know fun and exciting all that sort of all that sort of stuff it's only one very small part of the experience and One that I think is really special and one that Rugby League's very lucky to have.
0: Campo, it's always a fantastic night and as you say, it's always a fantastic week. Thanks so much for your time and enjoy the footy.
1: No worries, thanks for having me
0: bites. Red Bull boss Christian Horner has fronted the media for the first time since the team launched an investigation into allegations of inappropriate conduct in the workplace. As the Bulls launched their new car for the 2024 season, shock, he was asked about it.
1: I obviously deny the allegations that have been, been made, but I'm ongoing through a, through a process and, and fully respect that process. So uh, for me, it's business as, as normal, I'm focused on the, the season ahead and and of course, it, it, it is a, a distraction for, for the team, but uh, uh, you know the team are very together. They're very focused on, on the season ahead um, and uh, have been tremendously supportive. So uh, yeah, looking forward to the season ahead of us.
0: It's lights out for the first race of the season at the end of this month. Whether you're an avid golfer, a weekend warrior, or a fan of the driving range like me, no one is immune to a shank, not even Tiger Woods.
2: Oh, hello. Guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. That caught Hazel. Yep. I'm not going to say the word, but on 18... Oh, I definitely, I shanked it. <laughs> When's the last time you hit a shank, Tiger? I think you can remember. It's been a while. It's definitely been a while. Uh, cons- uh, other than trying to hit flop shots and other kind of weird shots around the greens. Uh, not, not from g- the position I was at.
0: Well, that makes me feel a bit better anyway. So you know how in football you've got red cards and yellow cards well the international football association board is considering a blue card what for sin binning of course tottenham spurs coach and all aussie good guy Ange postacoglu wasn't pulling any punches when he was asked about it
1: one team being down to 10 men for 10 minutes you know what it's going to do to our game (laughs) it's going to destroy it mate you're going to have one team just sitting there trying to waste time for 10 minutes waiting for a guy to come on every other game is trying to speed up Every other sport is trying to declutter. All we're trying to do is go the other way for some bizarre reason.
0: Ange has some feelings. I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Joel Cassam. Thanks to the NRL, Channel 9, CBS, the BBC, the PGA and ABC, not us, the American one, for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.